Hello and welcome to What Does the Bible Say? I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Davis. I'd like to talk to you a little bit today about the book of Acts, chapter 10, and Peter's vision. In chapter 10, verse 1, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. So is Cornelius a Jewish person? No, he's a Gentile. And he's in charge of a lot of soldiers at the Roman garrison up in Caesarea. Verse 2 says he was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. There's some technical theological terms in there. The man is a God-fearer, which means he keeps the commandments, statutes, and judgments of God that I would call the Torah, but you might call the law, even though he's not Jewish. He recognizes that God's commandments were given to all people for all time. It goes on to say, who gave alms generously to the people. And the word used here for people means the Jewish people. So here is a Roman centurion giving alms or gifts to the Jewish people, making sure that he takes care of the poor because he fears God. It says, and he prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. When he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what to do. When the angel spoke to him and departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all things to them, he sent them to Joppa. If you're going to understand Acts chapter 10, you have to realize that Cornelius sent how many people to go get to Peter? He sent three people. Those people are God-fearers, like Cornelius. They keep the commandments, statutes, and judgments of God, which means they don't eat unclean animals like pigs, shrimp, lobsters, etc. They keep God's commandments. The problem is, when they get to Peter's house, where he is down in Joppa, Peter's not going to let them in. Because the rabbinic rules won't let Jewish people entertain non-Jewish people, that is, to invite them in, to have a meal with them, etc. It's simply not permitted. It's not that God prohibits it, it's that the rabbis prohibit it. So when we get to verse 9, it says, The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So it's about noon. Notice Peter is continuing to pray on the Jewish schedule of 9, noon, and 3, as is Cornelius, who's why it mentions up above the hour that he receives the vision. So Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Verse 10 says, Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Fell into a trance meaning he's having a vision from the Lord. And saw heaven opened, and an object like a great sheet bounded the four corners. That object like a great sheet is called a tallit. It's a prayer shawl that men wear when they pray. And what's bound at the four corners are the fringes, or in Hebrew it's called the zitzit, 
which represent the commandments, statutes, and judgments of God. What's strange about this Talit, though, in verse 12, it says, In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him. So here's a voice from heaven. It says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Does Peter get up and kill and eat? No. Oddly enough, verse 14, But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. So three times there's a voice from heaven that says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And three times Peter says, Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice calls what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Too many people think this means God has declared the pigs, shrimps, and lobsters clean. And that's not at all what it is, and Peter knows that. What does Peter know that maybe you and I don't? Well, first, if we look at Leviticus chapter 11, starting in verse 1, God tells us what we can eat as food, which animals, and which we cannot eat. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to him, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, these are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud, that you may eat. Nevertheless, these you shall not eat among those that chew the cud, or those that have cloven hooves. And when it says you shall not eat, if you look at the Hebrew carefully, it means not ever. This is a permanent prohibition forever. So it says, you shall not eat among those that chew the cud, or those that have cloven hooves. The camel, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. The rock hyrax, that's a kind of rabbit, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves, it is unclean to you. The hare, which is another type of rabbit, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. And the swine, ding, 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 there's the piggy. Though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. They're unclean to you. And the chapter goes on to tell which other animals we can eat, and those that we cannot eat. The point is, there are animals on that great thing like a sheet let down from heaven, that God says we cannot eat. They are not clean. And yet here's a voice from heaven saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, Nah, not me, I'm not doing it. Well, first thing he knows is in Psalm chapter 89, verse 34. It says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Those words mean that when God gives a commandment, it will never, ever change. If you say, well, sure, we're, we're allowed to eat pigs today, that's not an offense to God. You would call God a liar. And that's something that we never, ever want to do. Again, it says, my covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. So if God says, well, it's okay to eat pigs today, then God would be a liar. He would be breaking his word, and God would never do that. And then... I'm sure Peter thinks back to Deuteronomy chapter 13. 
The last verse of chapter 12 tells us that we must keep every word of the commandments that God gives us. We're not to add to it. We're not to take away from it. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 13 of Deuteronomy, If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams. A prophet or a dreamer of dreams is a man who says, God has given me a message to pass on to you. Says, and he gives you a sign or a wonder that he says, I can prove that it's from God because I will do this sign or wonder. In the book of Revelation chapter 13, the false prophet calls down fire from heaven to show that he has the power of God. Why would God allow him to perform such a miracle? Well, Deuteronomy 13 tells us why. It says, and the sign of the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. Those words, serve them, means to be obedient to someone other than God. So if you hear a voice from heaven telling you to break a commandment from God, that would fit these words, and Peter knows it. Verse 3 says, You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul. Notice the use of the word love there. Remember in John 14, 15, the verse says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And in 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, it says, What is the love of God? That we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So this Deuteronomy 13 is very consistent with what we find in the book of John and 1 John and the book of Revelation. So it says again in verse 3, For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God, which means to walk in the way that he tells you, that is to keep his commandments, and fear him. Remember Cornelius was a God-fearer, one who obeyed God. That's what fear him requires is obedience. And keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. In other words, even though there may be a prophet who says, Hey, I'm from God. And God told me to tell you to break a commandment. That is to steal something or to eat a pig. To put it in context of Acts chapter 10. God says, uh, it's not that you're to do it, it's a test to see if you will break my commandment or if you love me enough not to do that. Then we have to add to that 1 Kings chapter 13, which is a chapter that doesn't get taught very often from most pulpits, but is very eye-opening. In 1 Kings chapter 13 verse 1, it says, And behold, a man of God, that man of God is a prophet. We know that from the rest of the story went from Judah to Bethel. Judah is the southern kingdom of Judah, and Bethel is in the northern kingdom of Israel, and it's right after the split of the nation into two nations after the death of Solomon. If you remember, Judah went to the throne of David's successors, and the northern ten tribes were given over to Jeroboam. And that's where we are. Jeroboam is now king of the northern kingdom. It says, And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. That's the king of the northern kingdom burning incense to pagan idols here. It says, And he cried out against the altar, that's the prophet who does, by the word of the Lord, so God commanded him to do it. 
and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David. You realize Josiah won't be born for hundreds of years after this prophecy is given. That's how awesome God's prophecies are. So behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. And that literally happens in the days of Josiah, king of Judah. Hmm. Verse 3, And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, who cried out against the altar in Bethel. Remember, that altar had been set up by Jeroboam to worship the golden calf. It says that he stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him! Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, that is, toward the prophet, withered, so that he could not pull it back to himself. On the spot, his arm withers. It says the altar also was split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. So what the prophet from the southern kingdom of Judah had told King Jeroboam is coming to pass before his very eyes. Verse 6, Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God. Notice not the Lord my God, but the Lord your God. And pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. Sounds like a reasonable thing, right? The king's hand has been restored, his health is given back to him, so he wants to reward the prophet. And the prophet says, no. Look at verse 8. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, means half your wealth, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. How can he refuse a gift from the king like that? Well, let's read on and see. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the same way you came. Ah, now we understand. The king wants to reward him, but the prophet says, God told me absolutely not. I cannot go back with you. I can't eat with you. I can't even go that way. Verse 10, So he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. So he's being obedient to God. And you're probably thinking, then what does this have to do with Acts chapter 10? Well, we got to read on. Verse 11 says, Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. In other words, that I cannot go back with you and I cannot eat. Verse 12 says, And their father said to them, Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went who came from Judah. Then he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. 
that he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, That is the prophet from the southern kingdom of Judah that has spoken to Jeroboam, said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you, neither can I eat bread, nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, quote, You shall not eat bread, nor drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. End quote. So there's no doubt that this prophet from the southern kingdom of Judah knows exactly what God had commanded him, and that it had not changed. Verse 18, he said to him, I too am prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. Notice the parenthesis says, he was lying to him. Ah, now we see the connection to Deuteronomy 13, don't we? Here's a false prophet saying that the Lord told me that you're to break the commandment that he gave you. And the prophet from the southern kingdom of Judah listens to him. Says, so he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. So he breaks the commandment of God. Verse 20, now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread, and drank water in the place of which the Lord said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. Well, that's a poetic way of saying you're going to die before you even get home. Verse 23 says, So it was. After he had eaten bread, and after he had drunk, that he saddled the donkey for him, the prophet whom he had brought back. When he was gone, a lion met him, that's again that prophet from the southern kingdom of Judah, that had come to Jeroboam with the message. Oh, when he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his corpse was thrown on the road, and the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. And there men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road, and the lion standing by the corpse. Then they went and told in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Now do you get the point of the story? God gave a commandment that the prophet was not to return back and eat bread or drink water. Because another man said, hey, I'm a prophet too, and God told you to forget that and break that commandment that he given, and he believed it, then God has the lion kill him on the road before he can even go home. So the lesson of 1 Kings 13 is even if a prophet, or in the case of Acts chapter 10, a voice from heaven commands you to break a commandment of God, it's a test. And here, the prophet from the southern kingdom of Judah failed miserably. God does not break his commandments. He does not change his commandments. Again, what did Psalm 89 verse 34 say? My covenant I will not break, 
or alter the word that has gone out of my lips. So if you go back to Acts chapter 10, Peter knows all this. When there's a voice from heaven that says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat these unclean animals that God said in Leviticus 11 are unclean and never, ever allowed to be eaten. So Peter knows it's a test and says, No, uh-uh. Never eaten anything common or unclean. Now let's go back to Acts chapter 10 to verse 17. Every theologian I know says, See, see, God says we can eat pigs. But that's not what Peter understands. Look at verse 17. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Ah. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. How many times did the voice from heaven say, Rise, Peter, kill and eat? And he refused, and then the voice from heaven said, What? What God has cleansed, you must not call common. What God cleansed was not the pigs, the shrimps, and the lobster. It was the Gentiles from the house of Cornelius that feared God with all their heart and had true faith, but they did not yet know the gospel message. So, three men, three times the bot coal that is the voice from heaven came, and now Peter understands. So, verse 21. Oh, we didn't do verse 20. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Remember in Matthew 28, God had told the disciples to take the gospel message to all the nations. But it's actually more than that. Let's take a minute and actually look at Matthew 28, if you don't mind. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18, is where we find the Great Commission. It says, And Yeshua came and spoke to them, saying, That word saying means it's a quote. These are the very words that came out of Messiah's mouth. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. The word disciples means students. It doesn't say converts. It says disciples, which means students. In Hebrew, Talmudim. Of all the nations. The word nations means the Gentiles. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But there's not a period there, is there? No, it's a comma teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So Peter and the other apostles have been told to go out to all the Gentile nations and teach them to keep the commandments of God. Well, if we go back to Acts chapter 10, if it were not for this vision, Peter would have sent those three Gentiles packing and said, I can't meet with you. So verse 21, back in Acts chapter 10, Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God, and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. 
Then he invited them in and lodged them. He never would have done that if it were not for this vision. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Verse 24. Here's where Peter gets to explain the vision now, what it really means. In the following day, they entered Caesarea. That's up on the Mediterranean sea coast, quite a ways up from Joppa. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up! I myself am also a man. In other words, the only one to be worshipped is God, and he's not God. As he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, Here's how Peter understands the vision. Here we go. You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. That's not God's law. That's man's law. Those rabbinic fences that Messiah said keep God's commandments from being fulfilled. God had told the apostles to go and make disciples of all the nations and teach them all the commandments of God. And they hadn't done it. Years had passed and they hadn't done it. Because of this rabbinic man-made rule that says, Sorry, but they're Gentiles. They're unclean. And it says, what? It says, but then he said to him, verse 28, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Should not call what common or unclean? That I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Peter understands the vision far differently than most pastors of the world today. He didn't understand it as the pigs are now available to be eaten. That would be breaking God's commandment. And we learn from 1 Kings chapter 13 that God does not tolerate you thinking or acting on somebody who says God's commandments no longer apply. Rather, he says, God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. So without this vision, Peter would not have gone to the Gentiles. What was it that Messiah himself said about these rabbinic rules in Matthew chapter 15? Matthew chapter 15 is the same as Mark chapter 7. And it's another chapter that people tend to use to say, well, sure, God says we can eat pigs, but no, it doesn't. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Yeshua, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Tradition of the elders means those man-made rules and regulations like you can't go to the home of a Gentile. For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. It's not about what kind of meats we can eat. It's about whether we have to wash our hands in a ceremonial way called neti latya daim before we eat our bread. 
He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profits you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. Hypocrite means an actor, one who pretends to be something they're not. They're pretending to be righteous, and he says they're not. He says, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. So Messiah himself says that if your worship of God is based upon the commandments of men rather than the commandments of God, it is vain, and vain means it's of no value. It's not worth a thing. So, for instance, if God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, and the, in the 4th century the Pope said, don't you dare keep the Sabbath, do Sunday instead. Will we listen to God, or will we listen to man? As you think about that over the next week or two, remember Psalm 89, verse 34. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. This is Wayne Davis signing off. Shabbat Shalom.